0: Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and Stuff. I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. And we are here and ready to talk about prayer. Yeah, we are. I don't know why I was doing like a cheerleader type thing there. That was kind of weird.
1: (laughs) Give me a (laughs) pee. Anyway, yes, that is what we're talking about. I'm actually really excited about this. Uh, So something we've tried to be cognizant of, I think, for this whole series is the... Guilt and shame that is associated with so many of these topics um, because we all probably feel as if we've fallen short in areas like Bible reading and prayer and things like that. And so I'm not going to lie, I was even a little bummed <laughs> going into prepping for this, of like, I suck at this and I really uh, don't want to, you know, get on a podcast and pretend to be better at it uh, than I am in order, I don't know, to make myself look good or for other people to not feel like I'm completely unqualified to talk about this. And uh, it's been so good. It's been so re-energizing. And and it's, I mean, our whole goal with this thing is to not uh, put people in a place where they feel like it's their job to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and, and do it all better. I mean, there's certainly some... Obedience or certainly some effort involved, but it's not fueled by our need to perform or our or yeah. for fueled by our need to you know hit certain benchmarks in order to gain acceptance or love or whatever and i I think that's gonna come through hopefully really beautifully in in what we talk about today
0: you know it's really funny you say that because as we started talking through this idea of like spiritual disciplines kind of being the foundation of of the new year and what we're going to be going through. Yeah. Immediately, my head was like, oh, man, Bible reading has always been a struggle for me. I've yeah. definitely gotten better with it. But I, I was like, oh, prayer and fellowship, like, I'm good with those things. And then just really over the last year or so, like thinking about prayer more, I have come to realize that, what I thought I was really strong at is not as strong <laughs> as I actually thought it was. <laughs> um, not that I was praying wrong or anything like that, but yeah, I don't think I was ever taking it as seriously as I should have. Yeah, um, And I'll, I'll talk more about it today as we're going through this. But yeah, there are different, definitely points of prayer and fellowship in a lot of ways too that yeah, there's conviction as we <laughs> work through these things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and you know some of that's healthy. Right? I think there's there's ways you know, I, on one way I said I kind of hope we avoid making pe- people feel get, guilt and shame, but there is a healthy conviction of like, oh, this is a serious thing, and I may or may not have taking it have been taking it as seriously as I should. Yeah. Um, but that being said i think the whole beauty of the gospel is that it's jesus makes it very approachable like the the person and work of jesus is what makes it all possible and and i want i want to invite people into that so anyway i i'm actually really excited about fellowship next week also cuz i think it it can uh i don't know i think it's going to be more than what people immediately think of when we think of fellowship and, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. So (laughs) today we're talking about prayer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I think generally, well, what we did last episode is we talked about the how and and the why behind it. And we're going to kind of stick in that similar feel with this as well. Um, but let's let's start off with the why of prayer. Why do we go about praying? What's what's the importance of it? I mean, we we labeled it as one of our three spiritual discipline areas, mm. so it's obviously a big deal. Um, yeah, what are your thoughts?
1: Sure. I mean, okay. So people write whole books on this thing, so maybe we're gonna have to uh, truncate it a little more than that. But I think it, just to go to like real basic foundations, why we pray is to have a relationship with God. And it's a really awesome thing in Christianity that not every religion can even offer that we can have a real relationship with God. Or I'm going to actually shift at some point and I want to use the word friendship. Um, There's a really good message on friendship uh, with God and prayer by Tim Keller, which I'll link in the description. And I've pulled, I've definitely pulled some stuff from that as we talk. But Specifically, if you think about friendship, it's not something I think any other religion either even offers or provides a really compelling case for. And I Mm. think Christianity is actually built on the fact that we can have friendship, a real talking conversation relationship with God. And so we pray— to know God, to know God more, um, and to, to stir those affections up in our own heart uh, toward that God that we know. And I think if you call yourself a Christian, the God that you already love, you, you kind of just want to grow to love him more, and you do that through knowing even more about him. We talked with Amy Gannett last week. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, last week. Yeah. And that's one of the things she says in her book, uh, Fix Fix Your Eyes, yes fix your eyes yeah. is that you know she talks about knowing her husband and she you know at at however long in the relationship she feels like i love him you know she's like i don't know if I, I don't know if i really did and then you know you get a year in and you're like oh i i've learned i've experienced more of him and i love him and now she's you know she's looking back after years of marriage going like I mean, maybe, you know, I, can, <laughs> I kind of did to an extent. But but her talking about the idea of, you know, being all these years and seeing so many more facets uh, and seeing her husband in so many more situations and things like experiencing him much, much more, she feels much more confident in saying, oh, I love him. Because now, yeah. now I love all these things about him that I would have had no way of knowing at that point in time.
0: Well, and I think that's a good description, too, because I think sometimes as Christians— uh, we we take the our, our thought of friendship with God and minimize it way too much, like the the Jesus is my homeboy type feel, like yeah. way too laid back, like no honor or or any kind of respect alongside it. But if you think about like your close friends, like you you respect them, uh, and it's something that you know you do grow to know them more. Um, but yeah, I that just came to mind because I, I think I saw a bumper sticker the other day with it. <laughs> Yeah, and there's definitely
1: going to be a point where we touch on that um, because friendship is both real, but also God is not exactly who we are. Uh, And so I I don't know that he's your homeboy, but I think he really can be (laughs) your friend. Um, I wanted to to throw in one quote from uh, David Mathis' book, Habits of Grace, that we've talked about throughout the series so far. He says, Without prayer, there is no true relationship with him, that being God and no deep delight in who he is but only glimpses from afar. Hmm. So even if you get week, week one down, right, and you're you're reading the Bible, it's a that's a one-way relationship. It's a one-way conversation. You know maybe you know God in the sense that you know Brad Pitt and like him, right? <laughs> you just right. know things that you can see uh, about him from a distance, but you don't know him. You don't have a real relationship with him, and prayer is actually the way that that becomes possible.
0: Yeah, I think to what the point that you're saying too, um, it's interesting that reading your Bible, yeah, if you have that down, that is only one directional, but it is still, you could probably put most of that into this quote as well and say, Without the Bible, there is no true relationship with him because it is only a portion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're going to find that as well with the fellowship piece in certain aspects. Maybe not as like clearly as Bible and prayer, mm-hmm. uh, but but I think it will fit in that same kind of um, formula. I don't know the best way to say it, but you yeah. know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, exactly what
1: you're talking about. No, I think you're 100% right. I think that that's kind of why we use the big buckets we use is because you you really need all of these in order for them to work together. And uh, fellowship is an is an interesting one cuz um Think sometimes it gets second fiddle, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh well, I have a relationship with God. Like I read my Bible and I pray, and we're good. But we don't realize when we neglect fellowship that we're actually n- neglecting the family of God. Like His literal body is the you yeah. know the metaphor He uses, but I think there's so much more to it than just being a metaphor. Uh, so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go on that too much, but I'm gonna rain us uh, back towards prayer. And so we've we've kind of said. Hey you can you can have friendship with God but I want to work through that a little bit and show people um how it's actually possible. We talked about why we would want to pray yeah. but I w- I kind of want to say how you can even be friends with the God of the universe.
0: So, how and and what it looks like too. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's yeah. different than I think the friendships that we tend to think of uh in our lives, but. Yeah, well, I mean, you and I are friends
1: and yeah, <laughs> it and
0: looks different. And I don't different. see you as God,
1: so. <laughs> Hey, uh, <laughs> no, I won't, I won't make any jokes because it might be, I'll, I'll fall into heresy real fast. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some similarities there. I think we can certainly oh, yeah. use that. Uh But you're right. It's not going to be exactly like that. So let's talk about friendship just on a base level. I think C.S. Lewis has some of the best stuff on what friendship is and how it works. Uh, and so I just want to really quickly kind of lay down this big idea here. Lewis talks about four loves, but two of them are romantic love, which is when two people are looking face to face and they kind of are adoring each other. What you do with your wife, you look at her, eye, you gaze into her eyes and you just love her. And uh, that's kind of the picture of romantic love. That's the symbol of it. But friendship, the, the picture or the symbol that Lewis uses there is two people side by side Looking at something else uh and, and either working together on it or enjoying it together, he kind of in a in a way the statement that summarizes that is two people and looking at each other and being like, "Oh, you too, like you're also into mm. this I mean in a really sim- simplistic way, it would be like, "Oh, you know, I'm friends with Glenn about baseball." <laughs> Sure, And we talk about baseball all the time. Sports. Uh, And I think some of us have those kind of like more like one, like just single facet friendships. And then some of us have really multifaceted friendships where we actually have a lot in common and we can relate deeply over multiple things. But we're still, in a lot of ways, side by side, fellowshipping together about that one thing or about that, you know, whatever those things are. And so... The reason we lay that down is because in order to have that kind of love with God, that friendship, you have to be able to look at God and say, oh, you too? <laughs> which if if God is just omniscient, omnipotent, like super uh, big guy in the sky, then that's not really possible. There is no bridge to which we can relate to God and say, oh, you too? But that's where Jesus comes in, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. There's a couple of foundational things I wanted to lay out here. One is the Trinity. So the the fact that we have a triune God shows that God's like literal existence is based around friendship, like they're equals who are relating to one another and in some ways submitting to one another and loving one another. Like the Trinity actually, in a lot of ways, is a the the, be- the best picture of friendship we can have. Also. When that God then creates, out of that love, out of the overflowing of their love between the different persons of God, He makes us like Him. So we already have something there. We're made in the image of God. We're not completely unlike God. But then we kind of up the ante with the fact that Jesus then becomes like us. God becomes man so a couple of verses Hebrews 2:17 says that he's made like us in every respect except of course for sin uh, and then Hebrews 4:15 says we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness and that's because he took on flesh and actually lived a life the same way we yeah. do so now we can look at Jesus and be like oh you too like you experienced Suffering and oh you yeah. you know you experienced hunger and like it, literally anything that we go through he 's able to sympathize with that because he 's actually experienced something like it, even yeah. if he hasn 't experienced the exact like if, if you 're a woman for example you haven't you haven 't gone through exactly the same thing as jesus, but you 've gone through much that you can relate about and especially when you take that into like bigger principles as opposed to like actual.
0: Uh, very singular experiences. I think that may have been one of the bigger aha moments of my faith was like, uh, yes, I, I read about Jesus. I knew he was fully man, but it never clicked that like, oh, yeah, like he faced temptation. Like he mm-hmm. he dealt with emotions and things like that. In my head, I think I had always just like, yeah, he's man in the fact that he's flesh, but I always thought like he's God, like he's not dealing with all the stuff that we deal with. And then I I finally, finally over time came to the realization like, no, Jesus totally walked through life the same way that we did, but he overcame temptation and he overcame sin and he kept his emotions in check correctly. You know, like nothing was out of, selfishness or pride or or any of those things yeah but he still walked the same life that we did um yeah that was always something yeah, yeah i think you're completely out. right i mean that tends
1: to be the piece that we emphasize tends to be his godliness right uh yeah. or his godness <laughs> but the thing that we often miss is like no he was he was also actually human uh, and you know but we only know to some extent what that looked like as you know especially prior to adulthood. So, you know, you could speculate for days on did Jesus cry as a baby and all those things. Like, I, I think I tend to lean more into that than maybe some people are comfortable with doing. I don't think he ever sinned, but I think there's more freedom for him to look more normal than we probably imagine. Yeah, And that's a very beautiful thing. But then the last thing I want to kind of touch on here as we're we're kind of laying the spaces for the the ability for us to be friends with Jesus is you have in the Bible, John fifteen thirteen, says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. So the, the Bible is literally calling us uh, friends. It's, it's literally saying Jesus, I mean, you know, he's talking generally there, but it's, I mean, it, you would have to be almost blind, I think, to not see that that's tying directly to the crucifixion and Jesus' death, yeah. burial, and resurrection that he loves us. And it's out of that love that he came out of heaven, that he pursues real relationships with people here while he was alive and now through his spirit. And because of that great love that he has, he laid down his life for us. And again, that in itself is the act that allows us to then have the ability of friendship with God. Not to take too long on this, but before, we're at enmity with God, meaning we're enemies of God. It's very much a you're either with him or against him kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we were against him. And so there was a separation of God and us, you know, unlike what they had in the Garden of Eden where they, God literally walked with them in the garden and they were together. The first act of sin and all the acts of sin after that caused literal separation between us and God. Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. And they no longer had a real, intimate, physical relationship with God. And that's been true ever since then. But Jesus' act of atonement means that positionally, God now sees us as his own son, sinless, without spot or blemish, because Jesus took our sins onto himself. And when we put our faith in him, we are now seen as Jesus to God. So we can be real members of the family of God. We can positionally actually relate to God, especially the person of Jesus. And so all that to say this this can really happen, right? We are yeah. and, and <laughs> we we actually can have a relationship with God. And I wanted to make that very clear. I wanted to spend some time on that because I think that's most of our hangups from the get-go. It's just just hard for us to accept that the God of the universe really wants to be friends with us. It's really hard for us to accept that he might actually like us, that he desires uh, to spend time with us, that he desires to know us and for us to know him. Uh, In fact, he already does know us. But yeah, I think that's the hurdle many of us have to get over before
0: prayer can ever open up for us. You bring up a good point in the fact that I think when first becoming a Christian, you are looking at God, not, not to take away from this as this all powerful, all knowing, like there's just so much intimidation with it that there might be this fear that like, well, why, uh, why would God want to talk with me? Uh, And I think this brings up that perfect point. Like when you become a Christian, you are a friend of God, um, In, in the boundaries that we're, we're talking about here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we we still get into that feeling of like, uh, I know that I'm told we're friends and that God has does look at me in the same way that he looks at Jesus because of what Jesus accomplished for us. But there is sometimes that, that lack of feeling it. Um, and I think that can be because it almost... F- like you said with the Bible earlier, it's a one-way street at that point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like a one-way street. Um, and I uh, maybe that is because we are praying and in relationship with an invisible God, or sometimes we're looking for responses from God in the wrong way or, or things like that. But I think that also kind of ends up being a hindrance in in prayer. Yeah, there's
1: a couple of things there that, that I want to touch on. Um, I think you're absolutely right in Though we positionally, you know, kind of like in in the legal document sense, we already are friends of God. Uh, if you're a Christian, that is, if you put your faith in Christ, that doesn't always immediately translate into our heart, right? Sometimes, even though we know that intellectually, we don't feel it, and that's that's difficult. I think that's actually where the process of prayer comes in, and it's this training mm-hmm. uh, of our hearts to to continually remember, celebrate, rejoice in the grace that we have been shown by by God, you know, through the person and work of Christ. So I think if prayer has been something that we've neglected, it makes complete sense that that is the case. I, I think of it this way. I've had this happen to me a few times where I've been really close friends with someone, and then for one reason or another, we've lost touch. And I notice in myself that I almost always begin to assume more and more over time that they no longer like me, that I've kind of failed, so I'm probably feeling some guilt and shame about how I haven't really held up my end of the bargain with that friendship. And, I, and you just kind of assume that they feel the same way, that they actually that they actually think, yeah, you have failed, and yeah, well, we were friends, and you you dropped the ball. But what I almost always find when I go back and talk to that person is, they think they think just as fondly of me as i still think of them uh, yeah. and i've that barrier was a self-imposed barrier and so i i think that's true of god i think we feel like he's upset with us because we've neglected prayer. I think he we feel like he does not approve of us anymore uh, because we haven't kept up our to-do list, uh, and prayer being a big part of that, I think, in, in this scenario. And that's not true at all. <laughs> I, I, think, I think he still thinks of you fondly. And don't get me wrong. Like, there's certainly a sense in which God hates our sin, and he's not pleased, I suppose, uh, with the fact that we may not be obeying him in some ways. But that doesn't erase his love for us. That doesn't erase but that driving love that then caused him to make the sacrifice of his own son that's right. that's still all there, like uh, if you hear me say anything, hear me say that that's still all in place. God wants to hear from you. he's like the uh prodigal son's dad who yeah. uh, the prodigal son comes expecting a lecture and to have to to re-earn everything, and he just puts his arms out and gives him a hug like he's like i just I just want you to come back yeah uh, <laughs> I, I was <laughs> I was just waiting for you, and I think in a lot of ways that's God's posture toward us. And so we're so tempted to kind of run and hide, and he really just wants to embrace us. And so that, that takes us back to the point of positionally we're already there, but it's really a matter of training our hearts to really own that. So I, I kind of had this idea that m- maybe I'm stretching a little bit, but I like it, so I'm, we're going to roll with it for now. <laughs> uh, James 4.2 Says you do not have because you do not ask, and he's talking about prayer in this passage. And as I try to tease that apart in my brain, the way I see it is, God is almost saying, "This is all already accessible to you, and you don't have it because you don't you don't ask for it, you don't mm. you don't put your hands out expectant of it." Um, and so the love, the um, friendship the relationship with God that I think most of us want but just aren't sure how to get. I want to make it clear that I think that's already there. And I think we are just not running to it. I think we're not asking for it. We're not pressing in. And so positionally, you're good. But if if you want to feel closer to God, that involves asking. That involves talking to Him. That involves responding to Him. And so long story short, I hope that serves as some encouragement to say, <laughs> you're not going to get uh, scorned. You're not going to get talked down to. You're not going to get rebuked. You're, you're going to get a hug. like You're going to get a, a, a welcoming response because God really does want to be in a relationship with you. He really does want to cultivate a friendship with you. Now, In case what I said may be misconstrued, I do want to say, if you go to the very next verse in James, he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So right at first says, you do not have because you don't ask. And then he's like, well, hold on. Some of you are asking and you're not getting it. And that's because you're asking to spend it on your passions. But I think that only emphasizes what I'm trying to say here in, in that the application point is not that we ask God for a new Ferrari <laughs> or for whatever it is. You know, that's kind of the silly example, but yeah. whether whatever that thing is, that you think, ah, if I only had this, I'd be happy. And I think the point James is making is that you're worried about your passions, you're worried about like these worldly pursuits. But what you need to realize is that on a deeper level, every desire that you have is fulfilled ultimately in Christ, and be- it's fulfilled ultimately and better in the person of Jesus. And so asking wrongly is asking for those things to be fulfilled through another means. Asking rightly is probably some of those same desires and saying, God, I want to find my ultimate pleasure, my ultimate fulfillment in who you are and what you've done and
0: how you've already provided for these things that I want. And I think the funny part of that is as we dig more into our Bibles, as we pray more, our hearts start to align with God's and we're no longer, well, <laughs> not that we're no longer, but more often than not, our desires will come become like God's and it's not going to be those wrong desires. We're, we're going to start to be more like Jesus and be praying for those things that are going to glorify him uh, and bring his kingdom into the world, which is really cool. Awesome.
1: Yeah. So, so far we've covered... The fact that friendship with God is possible and and why it's possible. And as we come back, we'll want to talk about how we actually practically cultivate that friendship through prayer and begin to experience the the pleasure and, and the deep relationship that we always have hoped for. So I don't know if you've noticed, but the whole time we've been doing this podcast,
0: we've been on the boardwalk. It's amazing. It's really hot out today, actually.
1: I know, but the breeze comes in every now and then. It really it makes you feel good, you know, coming off the ocean behind us. You can even hear people laughing and having a good time down at the carnival a little ways down.
0: Yeah, and I between the funnel cake smells and the smell of suntan lotion, I am just, I'm <laughs> overwhelmed. But yeah, we're busking it up at the beach today. It's great. We got our table set up. We're, we're doing our podcast here Uh, And it's amazing. Even just people watching is, is really fun for me in this moment.
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting practice that we've taken up here, busking, but it helps us keep the lights on. And so for you guys who aren't here in real time, we need to set up a solution for you, too, and that's a virtual tip jar. So while you may not be this guy rollerblading by with his boom box oh, yeah. or this nice couple here just walking their dog, you can still help us out. And that's the way to do it. If you want to support us and you want to help us keep this thing going, consider giving through that link. And hey, who knows where you'll see us
0: next week. Let's get back into this, friends. See how I said friends there? I don't uh, know, actually. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. We'll become friends if we're not. We don't have that <laughs> well, many we, listeners it's, yet. <laughs> yeah, but its a, is it really a friendship?
1: Because this is a one-way relationship with where they listen to us and they don't actually talk back to us. We're going to become friends. I mean, they actually can talk back to us. We've said pretty much it with every episode, Like, you can reach out to us on social media and start a conversation. You can email Please. us and ask us things. Um, if... If we have time, first of all, <laughs> we'll respond, and then also, if you're not a crazy person, we'll respond, because uh, we get we get some of those. I'm going I'm yeah. not gonna lie. Uh,
0: so, but speaking of cultivating friendship, well, now I have to say, how do we? Just because no, we ahead. don't
1: respond doesn't necessarily mean we're, you're a crazy person, but it might.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, digging that hole. Yep. All right, cultivating our friendship with God. Uh, in the realm of prayer. Okay, so we have already kind of talked through the fact that we are friends with God if, if we put our faith uh, in Christ. Uh, I was gonna yeah. say whether we like it or not, but <laughs> 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 hopefully you like it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, let let's kind of talk uh, about this now. Like how how do we go about cultivating that friendship um, and making our prayer life into something that is more robust? Sure. Well this is another area in which I'm gonna lean on on the the Keller talk that I
1: referenced at the beginning uh, and, uh, quite humorously and you should go listen to that if if what we're talking about here interests you because there's certainly a lot more in there than, than what we're able to cover but quite humorously the first thing he comes when he gets to this practical piece as like we're in now is uh obedience. <laughs> <laughs> hey friendship's possible you can have a real intimate relationship with jesus uh and you just need to obey uh, which seems like like a bit of a, a bait and switch but i think it's true for one but i also want to explain how it works and what we mean by yeah. all that so I want to say in in the two passages we talked about both the, the James passage that I referenced and the John passage about laying your life down for a friend right around those is talk of obedience. It's kind of impossible to to avoid. John 15:14 says, "You are my friends if you do what I command you." John 14:15, flip the numbers around there. He says, "If you love me, you'll keep my commandments." So, what's going on here? a couple of things. <laughs> I think, well, first of all, I want to I want to say, this isn't telling us that we have to earn our friendship with God. Jesus has already covered the chasm that kept us from being friends. We're already justified by faith alone. We don't have to do anything in order to make God like us. But there's a couple of realities that exist inside that friendship that we can't ignore. Number one is, we're not too different from God to be friends with him. We talked about that. But we're also not just like God. Truth. <laughs> and it's why we don't treat Jesus as our homeboy. Um, right, but we can right. treat, his, treat him as a true and genuine friend. So a couple things. He's perfect. We're not. That That's kind of the obvious one. Um, <laughs> that's what we teach our kids when we say, you know, Jesus is exactly like us except... And they'll say he didn't sin, uh and so we can't get around that. What that means is we don't ask Jesus to change to then be more like us he yeah. He did become human, he did do a lot to relate to us, but he's still the God of the universe. And so we don't say, "Ah, oh, Jesus, man, I just wish you were even more like me. Because then he would cease to be God. And the friendship right. wouldn't be as meaningful as it, as it is to be friends with God. So we still have to treat him rightfully. And rightfully, in a relationship with the God of the universe, we obey him, not the other way around. We can't ignore that. The other thing, just practically, is you have the proverb as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another, right? And that's kind of illustrating the idea of we are going to affect each other, and often we're going to uh, rub off on one another. We're going to become more like one another. And I think in an imperfect illustration, that's true with God. Now, Jesus has already become like us. He's already covered a huge chasm in in order to become human, And therefore, then we should become more like him, right? If we truly love him, if we truly appreciate God for who he actually is and Jesus for who he actually is, then we probably should rightfully desire to look more like him. I think if you have a friend that you admire... You look at those things, you say, I wish I was more like Glenn in X, Y, and Z. Well, the thing is, Jesus is better than us in all of those categories. So if we're truly friends with him, we look at that and say, oh, man, I aspire to be more like Christ in every area of life. So that's the way that it's different than just... Your and my, yours and mine, friend, I don't know how to say those properly, but you get know what I'm saying. <laughs> mine gotcha. and your friendship, sure, we'll get, roll with that. Uh, because Jesus is God, neither of us are. So we have to reckon with that. The way you could maybe try to illustrate this is it's almost like um, a teenager being friends with their dad. So think often in parenting stuff, there's kind of this false dichotomy that you're either uh, a parent or a friend and I think really if, if you're a good parent, you try to be both. You want to enjoy your kid. I, I say teenager because then you're a little more alike, right? They're they're sure. they're not just kids who are um are like wiping boogers on stuff. <laughs> they're a little closer to being like a fully functioning adult. Although if you've met teenagers, you know that's not completely true. Um <laughs> uh, but I think if you've it, met me, you know that's not completely true. That's also true, true yeah. Uh I think our relationship with God is kind of like that. In a dad that really, actually, truly desires to be friends with his son and do things that they enjoy together and relate to one one another through. But at the end of the day, he's still the dad and the son is still the son. And the son is still under the authority of his father. So... The thing is, Jesus is a lot of things. He is our friend. And that's. Kind, I think it's important that we emphasize that more because we haven't gotten it enough. But he's also other things too. And, he's, and one of those things is our authority. He is literally God th- through whom we come under his authority and obey him and try to be like him. So the other thing I like about that illustration is to reemphasize this, now that we've talked about obedience A dad's love for his son is not based on the performance of the son. It's not based on how perfectly he obeys. I tell my kids all the time, when they're doing really good and when they do really bad, listen, dad loves you just as much on your worst day as he does your best day. And he loves you just as much on your best day as he does your worst day. And I try to hit them in really good moments as well as really bad moments, so they know I actually mean that. And that's what our relationship with God is like. We are not obeying to make God pleased with us. God is already pleased with us because he sees us through the lens of his son. But as humans, as people who are living in this already not yet, we're not glorified up in heaven, completely made new and righteous yet. We have to live through the sanctification process. And what that looks like is pursuing being more like Christ every day. So I think that can still exist side by side with friendship, but I felt like we needed to tease it out.
0: No, no, absolutely. I, obedience is going to be one of the key things that we said is going to work towards cultivating our relationship with God through prayer. But there are other things that go along with it too. And one of the things that we had talked about before is meditating on the word. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of brought this up before, too, is this idea of like two-way communication. People get tripped up on that in prayer. So what is what does that look like as far as us cultivating that with God? Sure. Yeah, I th-
1: that's something I've grown more and more convicted of is pairing my prayer habits with the reading of the Word. There's a couple reasons for that. As you said, two-way communication is important. We, we kind of already touched on this, but we're not just learning about God, that would only be half of a real relationship. And we're not only talking to God, that would just be half of a real relationship. We need to realize that God has initiated, right? Christ has already done the majority of the work. We're just responding to those truths. And so, A, we need to know those truths. We need to know what he's done, who he is, his character, and why all that came about and how it all came about. And it on the other hand, it's not just us starting a conversation with God, but it's God drawing us into an ongoing relationship. So there's one more quote from the Mathis book that I have in my notes here, and it says, Christian prayer at its truest comes in response to God's self-revelation to us. And then he adds, which I love, it is, a, it is as George Herbert wrote, God's breath in man returning to his birth. Maybe that's a little nerdy, but the the first part of what we're saying there is we respond to God in prayer in light of who he has revealed himself to be. I think we use the illustration in the week on Bible reading that says in order to love God, we have to actually know who he is. If I came home and told my wife, oh, you have beautiful blonde hair and blue eyes, and I just love those things about you. Well, my wife has brown hair and brown eyes, and she wouldn't appreciate that. Right. right. <laughs> so we, we, have to, uh, our, our, we have to respond in light of who God has revealed himself to be, and therefore tying Bible reading, which is us learning more about God, in theology, which is trying to know God deeper, tying that into prayer means that we're actually praying rightly because we're praying with a better understanding of who God really is and not just what we think God should be. If we pray completely divorced of actual true knowledge from God or about God rather, then We could be praying with just our own idea. Oh, thank you, God, that you have given me this knowledge that I can tell you you haven't given other people. And thank you, God, for making me right and making me smarter than so-and-so or whatever, like that's not prayer in light of God who, in light of who God has revealed himself to be. There's actually literally a passage in the Bible where God says, Hey, there's this Pharisee that comes up there and says, Hey, thank you that I'm not like the, the sinner in the back row and the sinner in the back row <laughs> pounds his chest, his chest and, yeah. and says, uh, uh, basically thank you for grace to save a man like me. And then he's, points out that the the dude in the back beating on his chest is the one that's actually righteous in that situation, not the guy who's just thanking God for being uh, better than everyone else. So there are certainly things that we could pray to God that actually wouldn't be right because it comes from a misunderstanding of who God is and what he does.
0: And just to kind of add or clarify something here, uh, you're not saying that we should only pray while reading the Bible. I think... Just to point that out, I think that while we continue to read our Bible and understand who God is more, um, there are, when we're praying and not near our Bible, we have that truth inside of us. Um, and I I think back to, I, I can't actually remember the example right now, but there was a time I was praying for something and it felt as though God had responded audibly that it was like so overwhelming and I think it was because biblically there was truth behind it and it was aligning with things that I, I was desiring and that were at hand. And so I think that the more we read our Bible, the more we attune ourselves with God, the more we f- will have this feeling, I, I, not that it should be feeling, but we start to have this feeling of two-way communication, if that makes sense.
1: yes. Yeah, I think you're right. I want to maybe tease it out a little more um, and and say that that's certainly not where we start, probably. I think if you are communicating with a friend, you, uh, Tim, this is a straight rip from from something Tim Keller talks about, but if you're communicating with a friend, you wouldn't want to say, "Oh, I think this message is from Glenn." <laughs> you wouldn't right, want to right. know a message is from Glenn. So that's that's where the Bible comes in. Like that's where God has most clearly revealed Himself. But I certainly think there are other ways through which God talks to us, uh, or you know, communicates with us. And as long as those line up with the Bible, that's also valid. And, and I think you're right. The the more we press in to our word, the more we press into prayer, we may begin to experience those even more often. But, and I definitely think you're right in saying that prayer doesn't only go along with Bible reading. And so I want to get there in the practical, uh, kind of realms of where prayer does take place. Right after I just want to reemphasize the point that prayer in its essence is about having more of God. Right. That's the whole goal in this thing is for us to experience more of Christ himself. It's the pursuit of Jesus in our life. Yeah. It's, it's, again, it's not, it's not praying to earn anything. It's not praying merely out of, out of obedience or duty. Uh, but it's instead praying to actually get to know this person, person being used in, in, you know, a figurative sense, maybe there it's to actually get to know God more deeply. Now, Let's, yeah, let's move into kind of the places that, that prayer takes place. I think the one that we've started with, you know, maybe reading alongside your Bible is private prayer. Or some, some people talk in terms of like a prayer closet. And this is certainly something Jesus did, that he retreated to, to be alone and to pray to God and to kind of have this protected time of planned, intentional prayer. And so I think that's something we should, we should want to model.
0: Our own fortress of solitude.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think in some ways this is kind of a good barometer for us of if we really are trying to pursue God. Because if we only pray in public, I think you might be dangerously close to having a faith that is more for show Mm. It, than it then is actually for pursuing a, a relationship with with Jesus. So may, maybe ask yourself that question again. I don't, I don't say that for guilt, but maybe for some conviction, and say, oh, you know what? I say I want to know God more, but I actually I, I probably only pray in front of other people. Uh, and, and maybe that's a you know a, a check engine light for you to go, okay, uh, that, that's probably something I need to fix. On a really practical sense, there's a quote from William Law. I think he's talking about daily devotionals, um, but he says you should have something fixed and have something at, at liberty, which I think is just like, you know, take it or leave it if you want, but I think it's really good advice, which is pray something that's set, whether that's maybe like ACTS, like the acronym of prayer, or um, adoration, confession, thanks, and supplication, I think is what the four are. Um, or maybe, you know, you, you have a book like The Valley of Vision that has like these really well-written prayers for particular occasions. You kind of start with something fixed. Like, th- I think that helps build the routine of it, of like, I mm. know I'm going to do X first. And then just pray what's on your mind. Then just talk to God like he's a friend and and just say whatever pops up first. And and bring that to him. So we kind of have the prayer closet idea. And one of the things I think that's so important, besides the fact that Jesus modeled it, is I think that actually helps fuel consistent prayer outside of just that dedicated time. But I think if you can start there, you'll catch yourself thinking of prayer more often throughout the day, wanting to throw up little prayers to God in different situations where maybe you can't stop and pray for 10 minutes, but you can think to yourself, you know, a couple sentences, God help me here, or, or God, thank you for this. And that's kind of the next realm we want to move into is praying without ceasing. There's multiple verses on this. Um, I feel like we're probably already going long, so I won't list them all out. But the general principle is that prayer can be anywhere God is, and God is everywhere, so you can pray everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. So pray throughout the day. Pray for everything that comes your way as best you can. Paul says a line that that is sometimes misconstrued as like, Paul never stops praying for these people. I forget which which letter it's in. Um, Shame on me. But... Basically, what he's actually saying is, every time I think of you, I pray for you. So uh, having a rhythm like that, that's like, you know, every time this comes to mind, I'm just going to pray for it uh, and, and keep going. So practically, I think this looks like just redeeming small moments throughout your day. Maybe it's your commute. Maybe, you know, I, I've heard guys like Chandler talk about their rhythms. He, I believe, prays before he leaves work, kind of puts his hands on his desk and essentially prays that, like, hey, I did what I could do today. I don't want to take this with me everywhere else I go. I'm going to leave it here. You are you are all powerful and can continue to work on stuff even when I have to put it down. I think that's a really helpful practice. I know people that talk about praying before they go into their house about the, a similar thing, but with more mm-hmm. in mind of, listen, I'm going in here to serve my family now, going in here to be with my kids and and enjoy my wife and not be so distracted by everything else that's happened in that day. I think that's just a good practice. Pick some times that happen in the normal rhythm of your everyday life and redeem them by praying through them. And then the last one, I know I'm talking a lot here, but the last one, should knock it out, is pray with others. We could probably spend a whole podcast on this, maybe we will one day. But if you're a prayer, if if you're a prayer warrior or whatever you want to call it, someone who's really good at at this kind of thing, this is something I want to make sure that even you, even the people who would consider themselves better off than a lot of us, don't neglect. Uh, Because I think praying with others unlocks so many doors for us. We learn more about God and about each other through different people's experiences and different people's perspectives and point of views and different people's relationship with God. Uh, uh, Maybe that's even illustrated in our own friendships. Like if you ever have a friend and then you have another person who is maybe more of an acquaintance, but they're also friends with your friend. And you see how their friendship with your friend is different than your friendship with your friend. I know that's a little convoluted, but you actually can learn more about your friend. It's like, oh, he actually relates to him about this other thing that we don't even talk about. And so it's like, oh, there's more facets to to my friend than I was aware of, so I think that's something we get through communal prayer. I think we get to experience more joy when we share that with other people um uh, when we when we get answered prayers i I just know like being in community groups or small groups or whatever in, in my local church when we've got to come back and say, "We prayed for this together, and it happened it's just such a, a more it's a, it's a
0: bigger like elation yeah. In, in response to those answered prayers. Just even on the opposite realm, I think praying for things and when they don't go the way that we've prayed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times I feel like those prayers are prayers of like healing and things like that. Um, being able to mourn with people um, and then pray again, just being able to experience that with people as well is like, it's an overwhelming experience.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um and I I don't know. I think praying with other people it it builds your confidence. You get to experience um how other people pray and everything. But you're also like you're doing this amazing thing. <laughs> you are communicating with God with other people with with other children of God. Um and it's yeah, it is. It's it's a special thing I think that we get to do as Christians. Yeah. The the last
1: little thing I had under praying with others is uh, I think it helps us become more unified as the family of God. Uh, And I think that'll that'll apply even more deeply when we come back and talk about fellowship. But that's something I wanted to throw out there. Last couple of things. One, I'd say if you already have a routine— Maybe don't nuke it and try to start over. I know that's how I am. If I, if I come to the realization that maybe what I'm doing isn't perfect, I, need, I feel the need to scrap it all, and I think it's not particularly helpful. I think the better approach generally is to make small shifts, small transitions, and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep what I'm doing, but maybe change this part or maybe add this thing that I hadn't considered before or whatever, and let it continue to evolve over time. But I think if you nuke it, you may get caught up in trying to then recreate it perfectly. And then you end up not doing anything at all <laughs> or not doing as much as you were before because you felt like you, you needed to wipe away all the progress you'd already made. Now, that being said, if you don't have any foundation of prayer, I think hopefully we've given you a good place to start, a good place to begin building your own routine or rhythm of of prayer and experiencing that means of grace as a christian lastly we don't have basically any time to really devote to these things but i wanted to throw out a couple things that are worth looking into more as prayerful practices the first one is journaling i think i think that kind of helps sometimes Bridge the gap between prayer and Bible reading. You're, you're writing things that you want to meditate on. You're writing notes that are responses to the, the Bible. And there's a million ways you could take journaling. You could, you could just have a prayer journal. And then you can then revisit those things. You can repray those things. You can see how God has or hasn't answered things or how he's changed desires. Um, the second one is fasting. There's no way I'm going to do it justice in a couple a couple of minutes, but there's a lot of good teaching out there about fasting and and healthy, safe ways to do it. But you know, the, the, they very clearly lay out how fasting can enhance the prayer experience uh, for a period of time, often for a particular uh, reason, and so that's that's worth looking into. And the last one, I'd say, is something we're not probably very good at in this day and age is like silence and solitude our fortress of solitude as you said earlier <laughs> um that if you are the kind of person who maybe does redeem moments but never takes a somewhat exter- extended period of time to stop and just focus on god and remove all other distractions you, there's probably something that you're missing out on yeah and and I would say, you know, certainly not everyone has the freedom to do this. I would say it, it may be worth making that an ex, a more extended thing than you would imagine. Maybe you take a weekend a year. Maybe you take a weekend every six months or something like that. And I, I know that's the wishful thing. I can I don't think I could even manage that at this point in my life, but it's something I certainly want to to develop more as we move out of having little, little kids into human beings that are a little more self-sufficient. Um, but yeah, if that is something that you think you could pull off, it, it would really be worth digging up some resources on how to do that well and seriously considering making it a part of
0: your monthly, quarterly, yearly routine. Awesome. All all good practices there. Yeah, like I said when I st- when we started this episode, there have definitely been areas of spiritual discipline where I've been like, oh yeah, I feel really good about this. And then as I work my way through it, not that I don't feel good about it, but it it reminds me that there are more important parts of of these spiritual disciplines than I think I thought before. Um, And so anyway, today I hope that you take away this idea that God is your friend, uh, that we should be obedient to him in all that we do and that we take this time of of solitude and and meditating on God's Word in order to know Him more and for prayer to be that much more real of a thing in our lives. Um, Yeah, I'm excited that we are working through these and we want to know what you're thinking as well. So like Tanner said midway through the episode, reach out to us. We want to hear your (laughs) thoughts. We want to hear your experiences um, let us know what you think about all this yeah you can do that at Facebook
1: Instagram Twitter that's where we're at on social media you can also reach out to us directly by emailing us at hello at stuff.com. we look forward to hearing from you the last thing I'll encourage you if you want to help support us is A either leave us a tip that's actually really helpful right now as we're working on making a few things happen that are just going to take capital at the end of the day that's, that's just how it is Uh And then B, if that's not a way you can currently support or help, then leave us a review and rating, preferably five stars. I mean, mean, I'm just going to say it. That's what we're looking for. Uh, Wherever you listen, whether that's Apple or Spotify, throw up a five-star and
0: review of what you think about the show and, and share it with your friends. Cool. Well, next week we'll join you again to talk about fellowship. We're excited to dig into that. But until then, peace. Peace. bible and
1: stuff podcast is a production of bible and stuff we do more than just podcasts so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com our show is hosted by tanner Britt and glenn brand and our theme music is by the sing team thanks for listening we'll see you next time